Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. G'day, Kate. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It's good to be back, Owen, and recording an episode in person, which is fantastic. Yes, yes. Um, not quite free of COVID in Melbourne, but we're doing a pretty good job so we can be back in the office. Uh, today, we're joined by a very special guest, Emma from The Broke Generation. How are you going? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you in person, as Kate said. We're hoping it is. Because you're new to the show, maybe you can introduce yourself and what you do for our listeners. My name is Emma. I run The Break Generation and I focus on helping people feel better about their finances so that they can build the confidence they need to do all the other things, save, invest, spend wisely, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's such an important topic. We don't talk about it enough on the show, do we, Kate? Like, we don't talk about the relationship people have with money, the relationship people have with their spending. We talk about it like, a, like it's like a spreadsheet, right? Like mm. this column is for wants, this one's for needs. And if we don't get into that emotive side of it enough, right? Mm. I know we talk about investing a lot on the show, but there's a lot of steps that come before it. As we were discussing off air before, you have you don't just go straight from where you are currently to investing. And I think that's why I really want to talk to you today, Emma, because I've followed you for quite a long time and listened to your podcast. And it really, it it just approaches money and life holistically in a really different way to a lot of the podcasts, even us uh, out there. So um, I'm really excited to dive into it all today. Mm. Yeah, me too. It's, I mean, yeah, I talk about this stuff all day and <laughs> I could, I could go on for hours. So how long have we got? <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't we start with probably something that might, you might've spoken about a bit, but maybe it's uh, one of those long versus short versions. Um, how did you come to focus on this? Yeah, so I think for me, I mean, it's a bit like you said, you don't just go from where you are to investing. I mean, f- from my perspective, I feel like some people do, like they just, or, or you know, they, mm. they, they're spending all their money and they know that they shouldn't be or living paycheck to paycheck or they get the first job or whatever. And they just kind of like plug the numbers into a system and it just works. And then at some point there's a surplus and they learn about investing. It's easier to do now more than ever with podcasts like this one. Um, whereas for me, I, you know, knew I wanted to do something, you know, sort my finances out. I knew that I was spending more than I should be and I was getting into debt and I, you know, I've mentioned this before. I thought that when I got a, a big girl full-time job, that would be enough, and it wasn't. Um, and I think we kind of think that we can have everything we want. You know, we're kind of advertising and that kind of thing, especially, you know, back in like 10, 20 years ago, advertising was kind of like, you know, have everything. You need all these things. You need all this, you know, stuff to look a certain way or whatever. Um, and, yeah, I tried to do the budgeting thing, and I tried to split the wants and the needs, and I knew, obviously, on an intellectual level that I didn't need 100 polyester dresses, and but I wanted them, or, I, you know, I thought, I thought I needed them. But I knew intellectually that I needed to pay rent and I didn't need to buy clothes, and I would just keep trying to set a budget and start saving, and, you know, at this point, investing was not even in my mind, but... I would just try and split that money and hold on to some money and keep some money. But it just didn't work because my spending and everything going on in my bank accounts was a symptom of other things. And I don't think that's true for everybody, but I think that the people it is true for really, like me included, struggle to take on other information because it's just not working. And then people get stuck in the cycle for life because they, and, you know, they, they think there isn't enough. And don't get me wrong, for some people there really isn't. But sometimes it's because there's other things going on further back and you can't keep money or invest money if you don't know how to manage it and if your approach to attempting to manage it is a symptom of how you feel about something else. 
Mm. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of advertising makes, as you mentioned, makes us feel like we should have it all. And as soon as we get that full-time job, everything should just come to us on a silver platter. And I think that's often how we fall prey to buy now, pay later ads and credit card ads where it's have it now, you deserve it. And I think that can often lead us astray because we end up going into debt. And I think you've had some experience um, sort of helping like yourself and your listeners get out of debt as well. Yeah, debt for me, again, it was a symptom of many other things. And I think particularly as young women, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's true for people in their late teens and early 20s now, but definitely for me, like late 2000s. Um, a lot of spending is a performance of femininity and womanhood and uh, desirability by men at that time. You know, we dress a certain way to look thinner, to look taller. You know, we spend a lot of money on all of these things. And if you are dealing with a lot of those things, you can sort of ultimately disregard, particularly when you're young and you think you've got the rest of your life to figure it out, you can disregard how much it's impacting your finances because you're just trying to fix whatever uh, lifestyle magazine or you know teen or adolescent magazine told you you needed to fix at that time. Things are a lot more inclusive now or getting that way and we're kind of we might rather than reading about cellulite creams or whatever we might learn about how to love ourselves but on so many levels particularly with buy now pay later ads and all that kind of stuff and there is a very much have it now pay for it later or have it now deal with it later or feel a certain way now and deal with it later so yeah that's how I got into debt and to be honest my debt spending was was no different to any other spending a lot of people you know go into debt because they were flying to Dubai or buying handbags or it was there was none of that big stuff it was just a combination of that symptom spending of mental health issues or or you know a bad relationship with myself as well as my money and it being my emergency fund because I didn't have any savings so even if I wasn't buying something because I deserved it because I'd had a bad day because I was having a bad body image day or whatever I would be fixing a flat tire with it because I didn't have any savings. I couldn't keep any money. And so investing in wealth creation was never even an option because I couldn't even hold on to any money to fix my tire, let alone invest or save. Yeah. And going on from, as you mentioned, dealing with the symptoms, what are some of the strategies that worked for you or um, you found work for other people as well along the journey to help build that better relationship with money instead of it, it being potentially debt is your emergency fund or you're using money to fill a emotional void or where where whatever reason you need to use the money yeah it's it's individual to everybody and obviously your spending being a symptom of something what that something is can be on a a sliding scale and in some cases there needs to be professional intervention obviously we can't disregard that um and it's it's often difficult talking about it because I kind of tell my story and I go and then I changed my habits and I did this and people are going how mm, and just overnight <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is it's a lot of things and it's a bit like the science of behavior change there is this whole pre-contemplation stage where you are contemplating making change it's been studied in smokers and people changing their um, diet and exercise habits and that kind of thing and it's true for all kind of behavior change you are in sev several stages before you actually make the change and I think in that contemplation and pre-contemplation stage you firstly need to make the link between how you feel about everything but money and your money. Um, because often, you know, we don't think that. We think it's because there's not enough. It's because I've got kids. It's because I 
I'm on a low salary. It's because I live in London or I live in Melbourne or I live in Sydney, you know, and we kind of have these um, explanations, not excuses, but explanations for why our money is the way it is. And we don't ever connect it to anything else. So I think firstly, making that link and looking at where your money is and where your money is going, how much is coming in and how much is going out sounds basic, but not just how much you're spending, but where it's actually going and you know, going a bit deeper and, you know, okay, you bought a top. Okay, what, what was it just a top or were you trying to achieve something or feel a certain way? Or are you always spending at five o'clock on a Friday because you hate your job and you're drinking yourself into oblivion to forget about it? Like it's common for a lot of people. And doing that when you live in a capital city is really expensive. And I mean, I had this experience. I had a job that made me quite unhappy when all my jobs have made me quite unhappy at some point (laughs) but um I was you you get into the culture if you're in a environment where there's a culture of drinking and it is the type of drinking where you're funding it yourself rather than office drinking which is slightly more common in some industries but I was out there drinking with like the CFO he could afford it (laughs) I was on like equivalent $32,000 in London when it was like 12 pounds for a glass of wine you know like but when you are sort of in those environments you know sometimes it could be a symptom of being unhappy about something or sometimes it can be a symptom of just the contextual life that you are living where your finances just don't match um and sometimes it can be you know a bit more logical and and there are you maybe there are less feelings but it's just that you're in an environment where your spending habits can't coexist with with your finances it can happen in friendship groups when you know you've got doctors lawyers and then little old you on an advertising apprenticeship you know it's not Mm. um we behave the same way and we we keep up with our peers and i do think the keeping up with the joneses behavior is a little bit more of our parents generation i don't personally feel like i've ever consciously done that but the environments that we exist in mean that we not actively keep up, but just feel compelled to participate in the same types of hobbies, holidays, Hindus. So, so how do you find the balance then? Because that's like the key point. So you've you've recognised you drew a line between kind of a symptom and spending. Then how do you find the balance? Like people, like say, want to go for drinks on Friday night, Thursday night, whatever, whatever the thing might be. Yeah. So I think that firstly, when you turn your awareness to it, you are instantly in a better place to change behavior. Um, But there's a lot of, I mean, depending on what it is that's going on for you and what you're discovering, there's a lot of self-forgiveness. There's a lot of awareness that needs to happen and sort of keeping your finger on the pulse of where your money's going. So it's not, you know, you don't just draw a line and stop doing it anymore, but you draw a line where you stop ignoring it and you might notice it. And, you know, depending on how much true financial capacity you do have and what the actual problem is, but keeping engaged with it and really sort of I think we often underestimate in all kinds of things how we actually make decisions about anything. Um, There's a book by Mel Robbins, who has nothing to do with Tony Robbins, I've discovered. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I thought they were married at one stage and I was like, ooh, Um, because I really like her. But she, (laughs) this feels irrelevant, but I swear it's relevant. She has a book called The Five Second Rule and it's about sort of compelling yourself to do yourself to do things and finding motivation. But what she talks about in it is there's actually been so many studies done on the fact that we make decisions in a five second period which, you know, in the context of our day is quite short, but it's actually quite a long time. And actually noticing we make decisions all the time. We make decisions to go to the bathroom before we record this podcast. We make decisions to wear a jacket, whether or not it's cold. Actually tuning into where your decisions are about spending or about going, you know, to be in an environment where there would be spending. It sounds silly and it sounds like it wouldn't make a difference, but we do it without thinking. 
so when we start thinking, we're suddenly equipped to actually do things differently. Um, and for like for me, again, it sounds really intangible, and it is, and it's a long process. But just starting to notice the amount of times you make a decision and what that decision is for, um, it does eventually compound into action. And on the topic of emotional spending decisions that you mentioned before, I mean, I've definitely done that before. I've felt really upset or angry and just spent a lot out of this emotion, which um, it doesn't actually solve any problems and it only makes you feel better for maybe 30 minutes. And then the next day you're really regretting it and you're looking at your bank account because that didn't align with your goals, your spending goals, your budget for the month. How do you, I mean, how do you overcome that? And especially like, where do you drive that emotion instead of just going out and spending when you have it? Mm, It's it's funny how even years after I've started to tackle these behaviors, I still notice myself wanting to do that. Like, (laughs) you know, I've had a a difficult week and uh, all I wanted to do is go buy something because why not? Um, But I mean, firstly, like I said, when you tune into decision making, you can actually start to have some kind of conscious awareness that that's what you're thinking. Whereas previously you wouldn't really have thought about that. You would have just done it. Um, But I also like to recommend that people sort of um, look at what it is that they're doing because it's not just spending you're either scrolling online or you're thinking about going to a certain place or looking at you know Pinterest you know there's always a series of steps or thoughts that happen before you actually tap your card or enter your details Um, and it kind of comes from both sides so firstly putting obstacles in to make that a longer process so small things like taking your uh, apple pay off of your phone or your um, (laughs) i love apple pay (laughs) i do too but i had to take it off because convenient spending was a really big thing for me having a bad day i'm suddenly spending like 14 bucks on a juice and i'm like oh or an acai bowl or something um so i had to take that off but just you know small things not saving your credit card details putting those like logical obstacles in there's a site a few sort of plugins and websites that you can block urls from which is really helpful on your like work computer or whatever if you're you know scrolling on certain websites the iconic or something like that you can actually block them so you can't get into them um you need to have the self-control to not turn them back on again (laughs) um but sometimes that can be helpful if that's something you find yourself doing so putting those logical obstacles in um but then thinking about what the feeling is that you're trying to obtain and finding other ways to do that um so you know it sounds it sounds all very lovely and it's a lot more difficult in practice to actually do it um but yeah when mine i've said was a lot about body image issues or or um my relationship with myself or how I was feeling about you know who I who I am in the world that day um how can I treat that in other ways without buying clothes and sorry. I was going to ask you a question on that which is very personal is did you seek like counseling or anything like that to help you through this um I have since but at the time I couldn't afford it so no okay. um how did you go on that discovery like how did you how did you discover all this about yourself? I mean, I'm a very introspective person. I mean, okay, <laughs> okay. um, I don't know really. I mean, I think if I were doing it now, I would probably approach it with a lot of the mindset tools that we have available. You know, meditation, journaling, that kind of thing. But I didn't really have that. I did it quite. Um, I mean, I love numbers as well, so I'm sort of both sides of that. But I did it with a lot of um, really getting you know, looking at those um, transactions and things like that and really looking at how much of my, what percentage of my money was going towards this feeling and kind of thinking about that quite broadly. You know, we set goals and we have a vision for what it is we're trying to achieve or why we're trying to get out of debt or whatever, but you can do it on the inverse as well. And sort of you're thinking about 
when you set goals, you're sort of thinking about what you want to achieve by doing these actions, but you can actually spend some time and, and write it out if that's your thing, thinking about what would happen, like what it, what's the reality you're avoiding? Like what is not your vision? And when you connect every time you tap your card to that, you know, that vision of being 30 and still being in debt and everyone buying houses and you still paying off a credit card because of this feeling, you can sort of... You know, it's almost like a version therapy or something, yeah, I suppose, yeah. if, if you know, I'm not a psychologist, but it sort of follows the similar principles. Expose yourself to the actual impact of your actions. Because we, like I said, I knew on an intellectual level that something was wrong. It's just finding ways to make yourself change them. And, um, you know, however it is for you, like I particularly connect to watching like a savings account or something go up. So if I'm, you know, giving up, you know, for, for me, it was buying clothes I couldn't just stop doing that and that be it. I needed to see the outcome of that, the good outcome of not doing it and the bad outcome of doing it. Um, so whatever that looks like for whatever your like vice is, I suppose, um, connecting to the actual long-term impact on the positive and the negative side. Yeah, we had um, Nir Ayal on the show recently. He's a uh, famous author out of the US and talks about getting traction towards long-term goals. Mm. But I've found doing this personally that it's easier to find like counterpoints. Like this is what I don't want, not this is what I do want. Like I find that so much easier. Mm. And so like casting your mind forward five years, being like, do I still want debt? Do I want my portfolio to look like this? Or whatever the case might be, whatever your money goal might be, what do you want it to be? Um, is probably a harder question than what don't I want it to be? Like find what you don't want it to be and mm. move away from that. I'm the same. And, and that was really helpful for me as well because it also helps mm. when you start sort of making excuses for yourself to actually yeah. come up against yourself because you might go, a lot of us have limiting beliefs around money. We might kind of go, oh, yeah, but there's just not enough or it's just giving up that won't make any difference to actually say to yourself and pretend that you're someone saying to yourself, yeah, you're right, it won't. You know, you can give that up but it won't make any difference you we're naturally very defiant to mm. things like that so we're, one minute we're going nothing will change it won't make any difference i may as well just have this dare i say it latte or this top or go on that trip or nothing will ever change okay no it won't you happy with that like nothing ever gonna change okay and see how you mm. actually buck up against that because mm. we yeah we're, we're more defiant than we think we are and we can kind of leverage that to mm. make change how about then so we talk about budgeting and spending a lot um, and it always seems very negative. So it's always, I have to give up this. I have to do that. You mentioned about seeing your bank balance go up, which is for a lot of people very motivating. Well, how else can we make things, you know, how can it be a good thing to budget, get happiness from that process as well? Mm, um, I tend and, and I try to look at all stages of budgeting. You know, sometimes I'm in more of a, everyday budget flirt you know I'm not working towards any specific goal I'm just sort of you know some's going towards this some's going towards that some's going towards savings and investing or whatever other times I might be in a bit more of a um a push focus um so first of all having various different types of budgeting where you do take the pedal off the gas a little bit can give you a bit of a break um but regardless of of how hard you're going and how much capacity you actually have thinking about making it something of of opportunity and more organizing your money rather than like being on a budget because the yeah. word budget doesn't you know there's always the, the word budget is, is so commonly misused because like travel on a budget everybody should be traveling on some sort of budget even if it's a million dollar budget yeah, you yeah. still got a budget um and everybody even the richest people in the world or 
you know, your friends that have got more income than you or whatever, everybody's on some sort of budget. So don't sort of put yourself on one like it's a diet. <laughs> more just consider it organizing your money. And that might be organizing your money to go towards lattes or mm. clothes or travel. And then you might, you know, don't forget that you don't just set it once and stick to it forever because if it's making you miserable, it's probably not a very good one. Yep. How can you cut down the things that you don't like? and allocate more to the things that you do like, even if that's really small. You know, a lot of people kind of go, there's not enough for that. Um, but in some small way, like what can you do to make it enjoyable in some way? Because it is seen as a diet and it is seen as cutting stuff out, but it's it's really just organizing your money. Yeah, mm. and we just with a bit more intention yeah. because, um, I mean, it was on that Niall episode where he said like, when you plan to waste time, it's not wasted time. Because, I mean, I feel a lot of guilt when I watch TV. I feel like I should be doing something more useful for my life. Um, and I guess it can sometimes feel the same with spending. Uh, I mean, the coffee ones are just a common example because there's always lots of fights in the finance community about whether that's a waste or not and whether your coffee, if you cut them out, you'd have a million dollars by the time yeah. you retire. But it's more just like if that's what brings you joy and brings you happiness, spending with intention um, and putting money towards coffees rather than just doing it because everyone else at work did bought a coffee that morning, so you did too, but you don't actually enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of the time budgets can, and this is something that I advocate for, a lot of the time budgets are kind of like paying your bills and then working out what's next and then paying your savings and then and then what? Whereas actually adding in, whether it's separating into different savings pots or whatever or um you know, sinking funds or sometimes people call them, but adding in line items for things that you do want. And ideally there's more line items for things you do want than things you don't. We go, okay, I've got to set a budget. I've got to pay for my petrol and my bills and my this, and I'm going to save a hundred bucks and, and so I'm done. But it's like, no, 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 no. Mm. <laughs> Again, if you were planning your weekend, you want, want some free time, you wouldn't just kind of, you're going to think about what you want that free time for. Mm. Um, otherwise you're just stuck with nothing to do or no way to enjoy it. So um, I think being okay with adding things into your budget or spending plan or organization of money rather than focusing on taking everything out, actually just add things in because it also forces you to think about where you want your money to go. Sometimes you would do it that that sort of very basic level way and go, okay, my expenses are paid and my savings are paid and now I've got this. But that's where I was really going wrong because I would do all that and that all made sense and I'd have this and then I just have run out by Tuesday. I'm thinking, well, what am I doing wrong? But because I, I wasn't thinking, I just knew I had money to spend, however small that was, $20, $100, $200. But... I wasn't thinking about where it would go. And so I did just get sucked up into my environment. Maybe I would get a coffee. Maybe I would go to dinner or I'd get to the end of the week and have not spent it and just spend it anyway on something I still didn't really want. Yeah. Um, so not only adding things in, not only makes it actually better to organize your money and, and get clearer on how what, what can actually coexist with other things because we can't have everything and we are all on different incomes and there are different gaps between our income. Um, but yeah, just forcing yourself to think about where you actually want it to go. And if you have got $40 left after you've done all of that, how can you maximize that? Mm. Because if you don't plan it, you might have run out by Tuesday, but not got anything. Whereas if you do plan it, what, if, if someone, you know, take, take that number. If that's all you had all week, what, what would you do to make the most of it? If you were going to die tomorrow and you're given that, that amount of money, <laughs> what would you do with it? And then you know what you want. And then at least if you are only spending 50 bucks, either out of necessity, either out of necessity or desire or because you're planning or saving for something, at least you're getting the most mileage out of it you possibly can. Didn't you do a, a $50 spending challenge recently I for did. a week? How did that go? <laughs> well, remarkably well, because 
I thought about how can I maximize this? And I've sort of done them unintentionally before when trying to set a budget. And again, I just think, well, this isn't enough. You know, I, I can't enjoy anything, can't do anything. But, you know, there I was carrying in three meals into my co-working space on Friday because I knew that I wanted 20 of those $50 to go to beers at the football. Because that, like, not having a beer at the football felt so scarce to me. But eating my little tomato salad at work for lunch, I was fine. <laughs> because I would rather have that. And it is about optimization and maximizing what you have and getting the most mileage out of it rather mm. than just you know being a bit of a victim to to, to prices of things I suppose <laughs> especially at the moment yeah it's insane and something I've on a more practical note something I've really enjoyed watching um, on your end recently is your weekly spending reviews and um, are you able to share some of the strategies that if listeners wanted to maybe review where they've spent their money at the end of each week and whether that was in line with their plan and whether that they got the most joy out of it um, maybe some strategies that they could try yeah, totally. My my spending reviews are some of my favorite things to do um, <laughs> because a lot of the time, you know, people like me, I just said on this show, review your spending. So they go, okay. So they pull up their thing and they kind of go, well, can't do anything about that. You know, that was groceries. And I massively used to do this because one of my toxic traits is going to the supermarket for one thing and leaving with 12. <laughs> and so I would review my spending in a really basic way and be like, well, that's all groceries. Like I just don't earn enough money. Like I went in to get ingredients for dinner. Like what can I do? Whereas I wasn't actually looking behind those numbers and behind that store mm. and thinking what was really, you know, what's really happening here? How can I avoid that? Um, so the way that I suggest that people do it firstly is to, before you've looked at any numbers, think about how you think that your spending went this week. Because again, I've noticed a lot from my spending reviews, I'll put up and go, I spent $195 this week on these things. And people go, that's loads. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, I'd add yours up. Because, and, and often they're people I know and I know what they do for a living and I know mm. how much they earn and I know what, what they spend on. Or I follow them online as well. And I'm thinking, well, I know where you've been this weekend because you've been posting it all over Instagram. Add up what you spent and it's probably more than you think. So first of all, before you've done anything, actually ask yourself, how do you, how do you think it went? Are you happy with what you spent? Do you think you spent in alignment with your goals this week? And sometimes you'll go, yeah, I think I did. And then you'll open it up and be like, oh, oh no, I didn't. Or other times you, you might have spent, you know, an okay amount, but be thinking, oh, I don't really get anything for it. So Think about how you feel first before you look at the numbers. And then with each of the transactions, it helps to add a bit of context as well and context more broadly as well. What was going on this week? Did you get, you know, news that <laughs> that rocked your entire world? Um, but no, were you having a mental health, bad mental health week? Were you traveling? Was your mum visiting and you hadn't seen her for the first time in three years? Um, what, you know, might give some context to what you're about to read. And then contacts per transaction as well, because that stops us just going groceries. You know, was that meant to be a bunch of coriander and ended up being $50? Um, really thinking about that. And it's also, it also helps you kind of remember your life at the same time as well. Because, mm. you know, the weeks pass by <laughs> and we don't know the difference between each one. Um, but then sort of context and giving them a ranking out of either how necessary they were if we're working with with more needs um, or if they are discretionary spends how much value you got out of them how aligned are they to your goals how joyful were they and you know rank them on a scale of one to ten or color them in with highlighters if that's your vibe um, and that gives you a heat map really of how much mileage you are getting out of your money and it can be quite confronting I think especially if you it's really helpful if you are one of those people that feels like they earn good money and have nothing to show for it because it will be those you know wines you didn't really want and two identical transactions can have completely different backstories 
And if we're not looking at the context and we're not thinking about whether we enjoyed it or whether we really needed it or whether it was bringing any value to our lives, things can slip under the radar because we go, oh, $21 for two Pinot Noirs. Uh, you know, they're two identical transactions. But one, you're catching up with a colleague you haven't seen since pre-COVID and you're having the best time. And one, you just kind of got stuck there because you don't have any boundaries and you're a people pleaser and you couldn't leave. Um, <laughs> me. <laughs> Sounds specific. <laughs> could I be talking about myself? Um, or, you know, you could have, you know, there was just an alternative available to you. Um, and so I think that that helps you discern the difference between spending that should stay in your budget if it can and spending that can come out. And that's when you get the most value out of reviewing your spending because you literally free up money that you didn't want to spend in the first place. So you're not giving anything up. You're just reallocating money to somewhere else. Yeah, that's such great advice. I think that's the big thing for optimizing a budget is like you don't need to necessarily sacrifice unhappiness, right? Um, so this is a very simple question. Um, well, I say it's simple. It's simple to ask. What's your number one tip for people improving their relationship with money? It's going to it's going to be review your spending because and review it in detail as well. You know, you might want to add things into what I've said or take things out if they don't resonate with you, but just get really clear on where your money is going because I th I think that, you know, even me who reviews my spending most weeks and publishes it online, I still learn something new every week and mm. I still you know, you learn things about where you can free up money. You learn things about how your money is a symptom of other things. Um, especially if, you know, I think it's probably more um, relatable to people that have struggled with money on a capacity level in the past, whereas some people haven't and therefore they don't think that their money is ever a, a symptom of anything else because there's always been, you know, enough. Yeah. Um, so you don't really think about it, but I think that everybody can learn something for looking at where their money is going in the context of their lives. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And if people want to see how to actually do this in um, real life and how you spend your money each week, uh, if they want to have a bit of a nosy, um, your Instagram handle uh it is the dot broke generation. The broke generation was taken, unfortunately, <laughs> but it's not in use, which is frustrating. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting as well. And I wish more people would talk about it. I mean, obviously nobody has to, but it's also really, a lot of people who say when they watch it, like, oh, this has made me feel so much better because I'm watching you and you're saying you are saving and you are investing and you are hitting your goals and you are, you know, running your business and that kind of thing. And you're still able to do all of these things. Um, but I'm also not, you know, it's also a very, average amount of money i'm not spending a lot of the time people that do reveal their spending will become like how much i spent on my chanel bags and you're like that's nice for you um but you know how much value you can get out of 200 dollars? and like you know a bit like we were saying the other day some you know a couple of people are saying oh i'm not really into like clothes and drinking and a couple of other people are like oh, i'm really into clothes and drinking and it's like great <laughs> what how can you it's prioritization i guess it's yeah We'll put all the links in the show notes too to that, as well as your podcast, which yes. we'll call out. So um, get behind Emma's podcast if you haven't already listened. Um, we're talking about how it all comes together behind the scenes. And um, we know it's um, you're still you're a, few, you're a few months ahead of time as well. I am. I do. Uh, I like to batch create. <laughs> yeah, batch create. We should take that on board, Kate. Yes. Rather than being last minute. <laughs> I'm sure when Monique would appreciate that. Um, no, but Emma, thank you for taking some time to join Kate and I on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been uh, very enjoyable. I hope I haven't rambled on too much. Not at all. It's wonderful. I'm looking forward to having you back. And Kate, as always, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au.